covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as we come your way for another week's worth of Brewers Talk. Brewers coming off a week where they went 4-2 and two on a road trip, uh, sweeping a two-game series against the Rays and then going 2-2 two and two against the Pirates. An exciting win on Monday against the Cubs in extra innings when Victor Caratini hits a walk-off three-home run in the bottom of the 10th after Brad Boxberger did his best impersonation of uh, Houdini in the top of the inning, and uh, the Brewers are continuing to play some pretty good baseball. We do come your way a day late this week with the holiday weekend. We are coming your way on uh, Monday night is when this will get posted as opposed to uh, Sunday night, but... If you're like me, Monday or Sun, yeah, Monday felt like Sunday. The, the Monday of the holiday week, that Monday always uh, feels like a Sunday. It's always kind of weird. It still feels like Sunday as uh, I am recording this on what is Monday night. A happy 4th of July. I hope you were able to uh, spend some time with the family. Maybe get a little grilling in. If you were in Wisconsin, you had to do it early in the day because then the rain came down and the rain really, 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 really came down. But uh, such is life. If you want to get in contact with me as we do our housekeeping items, best way to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review, you can do so, and we would appreciate it. Pretty good week uh, for the Brewers. They are getting a bit healthier. Uh, Brandon Woodruff making his second start was, again, uh, very good. Hunter Renfro was back doing baseball activities on Monday. Got a little BP in, was uh, running, was throwing. Uh, We got word that Freddie Peralta has started to throw from a mound. So it does seem like they are getting healthier. I've said this before, and I don't want to just repeat myself over and over and over. I... I'm kind of I have this attitude now that I I don't feel like the team's ever going to be really fully healthy that core members of this team are going to be injured all year and I'm not trying to have like this really negative disposition about things I'm just looking at it the way it was you're uh, you're at the halfway point of the season and that's how it's been pretty much since day one of the season so why would you believe it's going to be any other way if it's not if they get all these core members of the team back healthy and injuries don't happen as often as they've been happening and you're able to really be healthy for the most of the second half of the season, then that's great. And I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong on, on that one on behalf of Brewers fans. But I just I don't feel like just the way this season is going, the way the offseason was, everything that happened, it, to me it just indicates that injuries are going to be something that not just the Brewers, but just about every team is going to be dealing with uh, all season long as they already have been uh, dealing with all season long. And again, that's just kind of uh, the way things are. But it does feel like the Brewers have a – it's funny because they, they did not have a good month of June. We can admit that they did not have a good month of June. They had the one long losing streak. Uh, there were a lot of inconsistencies in there. And there were a lot of people that were, I don't know if they were throwing in the towel, but it's, they certainly had a sky is falling attitude. And in a 162-game season, you have slumps, you have losing streaks. Those things happen, and they feel horrible when they are happening. But more often than not, if you are a good team, more often than not, you're going to come out of them and everything's going to be okay. Now, are there teams out there that look good, go into just a, an absolute free fall and never truly recover from that? Yeah, that happens. And I'm, I'm not I'm not naive enough to say that that doesn't happen, but it never felt like that was going to be the way with the Brewers. And I do think you have to kind of separate out 
dissecting the losing streak and saying, okay, what's leading to this? Because there, there are reasons. Some of it's going to be good luck and bad luck. Some of it's going to be injuries. Some of it's going to be not performing. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that are going on that lead to a losing streak. And I do think it's totally valid to try to dig in a little bit and figure out what led to that. Why was the team losing? But what I don't think is valid is walking the plank and just jumping off the ship saying, ah, oh, it's, all, it's, it's all done. They're, they're just not going to win anything. Uh, they're going to fall out of first place. They're never going to get first place again. Everybody needs to be released. Everybody needs to be let go. David Stearns needs to make a million trades. Like, that attitude is, is probably not the best attitude to have in those situations. And you know what? The Brewers might go into another slump. They probably will in the second half of the season. Will it be as pronounced as it was as it, you know, during parts of June? Maybe, maybe not, but they'll probably be able to survive that as well. Part of that has to do with the fact that they are just in an atrocious division. It's the Brewers and the Cardinals, and then the Pirates are probably the best of the rest because they're young and they're scrappy and there's some talented players there that are seemingly getting better. Cubs have a little bit of talent, but they're not very good. Reds are bad. I mean, it's just you've, you're competing with one team. You are competing with one team, and I, I think I said it on this podcast last week. If it wasn't on this podcast, uh, I said it somewhere. The, between the Brewers and the Cardinals, I feel like the team that at the end of the season that has the best record against the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds is going to be the team that ends up winning the division because those are the games you got to win. Those are the games against the bad teams that you face a lot, and you just you have to win those games. You absolutely have to win those games. So a pretty good week for the most part for the Brewers. Exciting win on Monday at American Family Field. Uh, they were able to uh, fight their way back, and you know they were down by a run a couple times. They force extra innings. Uh, looked like they were going to give up a run in the top of the tenth. Brad Boxberger was just really, really good. Pitched himself into a little bit of trouble, but then he gets out of it. And then Victor Caratini hits a home run in uh, the bottom uh, of the inning where Caratini started the game at first base had moved to catcher i don't pedro severino started behind the plate on monday we've talked about severino before good player a guy that that could be part of this team moving forward but also might not because whatever you get from him during the regular season that's going to be the extent of his contributions he is not eligible for postseason play coming off that suspension so it is not a situation where he is going to be compared to Victor Caratini and one of those two guys are going to end up uh, sticking around no Caratini's sticking around he's on this team and the question is can Pedro Severino do enough does does his value as a third catcher where you get uh, the other two catchers off their feet occasionally where you have the in-game flexibility to maybe pinch hit one of those other catchers or, or even him and, and feel comfortable with it, uh, is is that worth holding him on the roster? And that's a question they're going to have to answer as everybody gets healthy, as, as Hunter Renfro gets back, as, as Tyrone Taylor gets back. There's only 26 spots on the roster. And if they continue to deal with injuries throughout the year where those guys are coming back but other guys are getting injured, then maybe you're in a situation where you never have to make that tough decision. There's also the idea that they're putting him behind the plate and they're trying to give him an opportunity to showcase his skills so he can maybe be moved and you can recoup a little bit of what you had to give up to get Victor Caratini before the season. Not real sure what their thought process is, but uh, Pedro Severino, his return, that certainly um, it adds an, an odd component to how this roster is built here at the moment. And 
yeah, some tough decisions potentially could be coming. All right, let's get to uh, this week's uh, featured conversation. We're very happy to welcome uh, back onto the podcast someone who is a, a frequent visitor here at Brewers Externals, the podcast. He is a part of the team at 94.5 ESPN, uh, part of uh, Jen, Gabe, and Chewy producing that program every morning. He is Ashton Rotman. You can follow him on Twitter at Ashton underscore Rotman, A-S-H-T-O-N underscore R-O-T-M-A-N. I did look at his Twitter account as I said that to make sure not to mess it up, and I still may have messed it. Did I spell your name right, Ashton? You, you spelled it right. Hello, Maddie. Uh, yes, the great thing about my name and about me is if you're not spelling it, you can call me pretty much anything. And if I think you're talking in my general direction, I will respond. So I got Ashley, I got Austin, I got Ashy, Ash, you know, ton sometimes really depend Austin. It's, you know, it's a, it runs the gamut. If I think you're, Hey guy, if or I think just you're hey. talking to, yeah, just, just Hey, hey. I'm yeah. like, and they might be talking to me. So I look around. So, Hey, whatever anyone needs, I'm your guy. The other day I saw somebody, actually I went into a room where somebody was, and this individual is a little bit older, probably maybe late 50s, somewhere in their 60s. I don't know. And they weren't facing me. They were their back was to me when I walked in the door and I was kind of pressed for time. I had to I had to tell them something and I had to tell them it relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, and I didn't say their name. I just said, hey, and I, I don't know if they said, hey, back or like it was a it was an uncomfortable response with hay in there and i went okay did was i just disrespectful to this person by just saying <laughs> hey like old school like you know the old hay is for horses thing right. like should have i should have i gone a different direction on this and it's actually kind of stuck with me since then hmm. uh a greetings if you did greetings you might have gone better or i like greetings howdy. salutations yeah i say howdy sometimes to people howdy. just to really really yeah. throw them off like nobody from you know, the northern suburbs of Illinois is going to say howdy that often. But, you know, every once in a while, I've got to throw them for a little loop. And I say howdy. Hola. Hola is a good one. Yep. Um, I feel uh, like howdy and hola, like you can't um, you can't be mad at that. No, you can't. Um, I say what up a lot or sup dude or sup yep. dog is my favorite. Uh-huh. I, you know, of course, the ode to Michael Scott. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm a big, big sup dog. I say that to dogs a lot, too. Okay. All right. Um, random thing. Oh, yes. It was 4th of July. We're, yes. we're speaking on 4th of July. By the time most people are listening to this podcast, it's probably July 5th or later. There were four teams in Major League Baseball that had 4th of July off. What is this? Like, shouldn't, really it, is it, shouldn't every team... I actually would put Memorial Day and Labor Day in this discussion as well, but 4th of July more than those other two. Like, Isn't this an opportunity for Major League Baseball to have a showcase day yes. the way basketball does with Christmas, the way college football does with New Year's, um, the way Thanksgiving and and NFL football. I just set it up, have a bunch of rivalry games, have all day TV on all of your television partners. Like, just make this a day. I mean, to your point, I was the the two of the games that I watched today where I watched the Brewers and Cubs play earlier today. That's a rivalry game. Great. And I'm watching the Twins and White Sox right now. So that is also another rivalry game. However, I'm 100% with you. Every team should be playing. It should be all interdivisional games or at least like some sort of rivalry that has presented itself in the playoffs or something. You should have games starting at 11 a.m., uh, 11 noon, let's say noon Eastern time, going all the way through whatever West Coast game you want to start at like 8 p.m. Central time max. Like that's, I'm with you. It should be all day. I would be sitting in front of my TV or a radio or whatever, grilling up dogs, burgers, and then watching and listening to baseball. I'd be doing that all day. 
Yeah, I just it's such an opportunity and they don't take advantage of it. And it's frust. I get frustrated with baseball, as you know, I <laughs> we both get frustrated with baseball, but attendance is going down and they'll give teams Friday off days. Well, Friday is one of your big attendance days of the right. year. Give them Tuesday off. Like five, and somebody says, oh, you don't know how complicated it is to make a schedule. Figure it out. Right. You can, they will. They'll figure it out. You can create a schedule where every team plays on 4th of July, Memorial Day, and Labor Day, and no team ever has a day off on a Friday, a Saturday, or Sunday. You 100%. can figure that out. It's pretty Honestly, I feel like it would be pretty simple. If you can figure out to do a reworked schedule within a week of when you think you're going to cancel two weeks of games, and then you're yeah. just going to add them randomly to the middle of the week, you can figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Brewers are playing a little bit better baseball here recently. They had a tough month of June. People mm-hmm. were freaking out. This happens every year. People forget that there's a... now. I think there's a difference. Let me, before I even go any further, you can see a team struggling and identify why they're struggling and Mm -hmm. be concerned about some of those things. And I think that's a hundred percent valid, but then what I don't think is valid is the season is over. The sky is falling. They need to trade everybody. They need to bring new people in. Like there's two very different things. There's nothing wrong with trying to identify why a team is slumping, but a slump is just that a slump. And They've been able to come out of it. And, you know, I think a lot of people once again thought the season was over and turns out, yeah, it was just a slump. I mean, and the other thing is like, really, if you take out the, I think it was the beginning, right? When they lost eight in a row or whatever, nine of 10, you take that out. And it, some of those were run, run games or what I'd say one score games, I would say, instead of running, you know, extra innings, I can take some of those out. There's a couple extra wins on the board there. Maybe you feel better one way or the other about it. I think it's the idea of losing that many games in a row with just like one or two wins sprinkled in there. It just makes it so compact to be like, oh, are they ever going to get out of this? Or you're worried about are they going to do this once again? And then they get back into it. And now they're back to, I would say, quote unquote, normal. It's back to like, okay, to win, they're winning series here and there. They're scoring more runs more recently. Their pitching is picked back up, I think, for the most part. Um, so I feel a little bit better at the end of at the, uh, at the end of the month into this month. It feels like the bottom line is if, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Eric Lauer pitch well. Mm-hmm. And if Rowdy Telez, Hunter Renfro, and Willie Adamas or some combination of those players hit home runs, they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, let's think about if we go back to the, the whole David Stearns and uh, Craig Council tenure, that's basically what it's been. Who are your workhorses and your starting staff and your whoever's closing games or finishing games? And then also who's hitting you home runs and who's driving in the most runs? Like that's that's what it comes down to. It's power arms and power hitters. That's kind of how the Brewers have run. And, and it's worked for the most part, at least in getting into the playoffs the last four years. What intrigues you the most about this team? Uh, much like it has every year for the past, you know, after Yelich's MVP season, I think it's, they don't have, Willie Adamas to me is the closest thing they have to that guy. Like on offense, like that, he's that dude. To me, it's fascinating that this team doesn't have that guy per se, where I, where I look at the lineup and I'm, I'm scared if I'm an imposing team. I don't think they have that guy. I think they have a lot of good guys. They're like, okay, I got to be careful. I don't know if anyone scares me. And to me, that is a factor that I want to see change. I, I just need to feel like at some point I'm looking at the lineup and be like, oh, I'd hate to face that guy today. I'd yeah. hate to have to face that guy in a seven-game series. It's like, I, I just they don't have that. And then that to me is fascinating that a team that's been as good as they have been over the last four or five years, with exception to the two yellow seasons, that, that just hasn't come to fruition. That's something I struggle with because this team's having a really good year. Mm-hmm. They're double-digit games above 500. They're in first place in the division. At the same time, the expectations have never been higher 
during this current era. Mm -hmm. And there are still red flags. And the red flags are the fact that they can be so inconsistent from an offensive standpoint, from run scoring standpoint, and they don't have that big bat in the middle. And I don't know who you go get either. Like, uh, again, maybe they do something that's a little bit surprising. Yeah. The guy I would love to see in in this lineup is like a Brian Reynolds because he plays center field and he's a good hitter, but they were just playing the pirates. I was looking at his numbers. His power numbers are great. His RBI numbers are fine, but he's not hitting for average. Nobody's nobody wakes up afraid of Brian Reynolds. Right. So it'd be, it'd be an upgrade. It would make this team better. It would make this team score more runs, but there's also not the, the fear of facing a Brian Reynolds. And there's just, maybe it's, maybe the case is Ashton. There's just not a lot in, in this era of baseball that we're living in right now, where run scoring is going down. Maybe there's just not that many scary hitters anymore. And you know, it's funny that as you and I are talking through this, I'm almost thinking to myself, maybe the Brewers philosophy, and, and this is just naivete and thinking out loud. Also, if, if anyone else has already felt this way, Maybe their idea of someone being scary is Josh Hader and Devin Williams. Like maybe, and you know, Corbin Burns. Maybe their idea is, hey, we have those dudes that people are, are afraid of. However, it's just you look at their starting rotation. You look at who's in the bullpen coming up, and they say, oh, we need to score so that we don't have to face those guys. I think that's kind of the idea maybe that their thought process goes to. And I'm with you. I don't know if there is a battle that they can get where they're not mortgaging their current roster, what is working for them, or their farm system is what it is at this point. We already knew that that was going to happen. Maybe like Eduardo Escobar last year, that didn't really work out, but it was a, it was an attempt at like, hey, let's try and get another back going in here. And it didn't work, but Rowdy did. So I, I think there's kind of the the basic ideas of what are they going to even look to improve upon? And it seems to be it's always pitching an extra arm, which hard to argue with that. Yeah, you know, the moves last year, because Stearns has been so good. Escobar mm-hmm. had some moments, and the great thing about Escobar was he created – uh, so much redundancy because of so many positions. And I feel like that's something they need this year because they're just going to continue to deal with injuries all season long. At least that's my, my expectation. Right. Uh, generally Stearns has been as good as any baseball decision maker and bringing in some relief arms that can become high leverage arms tried to do that last year. It did not work. So last year was one of the few years where maybe they did not get as much bang at the, at the deadline. But of course, much earlier than the deadline, they acquired Willie Adamas and, uh, they would not have been who they were last year without Adamas, clearly. Right. That's the thing. Like, and that was a, like, you and I talked about this last season. We've talked about it in the offseason. We've talked about it this season. It's Adamas. And to me, like, as I said earlier, he has to kind of be that guy for them because he has been that guy. And if you look at his numbers and you're looking at how he's hitting 215 or 217, whatever his average is, that's not the numbers you want to be looking at. You want to know right. what is, how often is he getting on base? You want to know, is he driving in runs? Is he hitting for power? Great. He's doing all that. Fantastic. And that's all I can ask for. And I don't, again, I, I think they're good enough. I always think that they're good enough to get to the playoffs. It's, I, I struggle, like you said, with deciding what's going to put them over the top. Is it another arm that's going to just, again, create more shutdown opportunities? You can get your pitchers more rest and here and there they've been in the playoffs in the past. Or is it we need that guy that's going to be in the lineup and say, okay, we need a run, go. I don't think they're a World Series team right now. I, I think they're a playoff team. I think they're mm-hmm. a good team. I don't, they're probably a division winning team, but that's not a for sure thing. It's going to be a battle between them and the Cardinals down the stretch of the season. But I don't see this team winning a World Series without adding another bat. And like going back to the Brian Reynolds example, I don't know if Brian Reynolds being added to this lineup is enough to make them a World Series team. Right. And like, if I were to say to you, Matt, what's, what's the one position or is it even, is it just, if you get to pick one, you get one guy, 
It's going to be a starting caliber guy. You're not losing anybody that's going to hamper your roster. It's going to be a rental. You get one pitcher or you get one bat. What would you rather have? A, a bat. What would you think the Brewers would rather have? Right now, I, th- I still think a bat because... I, that's what I would hope. Yeah. They better. That's the thing. But, but I also... But then I go... I struggle with that because it's... Okay, I think they probably believe that every year and would say, hey, what's the best option for either side of the ball that, that they can go for? If they end up saying pitcher, it feels like more often than not, it's end up pitcher is where they're going to take the biggest swing. Um, and I just, I, at some point, I'd love to see their biggest swing be a hitter because they keep falling short in the runs category when it comes to playoff series. Okay, so it's interesting you say that because I believe that the Brewers have this, and it, this doesn't totally add up right now because all the top-level prospects in the organization are now position players and not pitchers. But for the last umpteen years, we've just seen all these pitchers roll through. I think the Brewers have made the decision that elite pitching is more expensive than elite hitting. Mm -hmm. So they are going to develop the pitching and they're going to go out and acquire the hitting. Sure. Okay. I can buy into that. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. And they've done some version of that, uh, whether it was, you know, you still go back to the day that they acquire Christian Yelich and Lorenzo mm-hmm. Cain, some of the other trades that they've made, bringing in some key players. Uh, you know, Mike Bustakis comes comes to mind. Right. Eduardo Escobar. It just seems like the trades that they make are either for relief pitchers. Uh, the starters they've traded for, they trade for Jordan Lyles, but he was kind of a... <laughs> yeah, was a yeah, he was a base runner. He was yeah. a pinch runner, you know? Uh, they traded for Gio Gonzalez, but it's like he wasn't a difference-making guy. Like, they've, right. they've never, unless I'm just, you know, in, in the Stearns era... Am I missing somebody? Have they traded for like a top level starting pitcher? No, I'm trying to think in my head. Not that I can think no. of off the top of my head. They've traded for relief pitchers and they've traded for hitters. That's that. That's what they have done uh, during. And then when in the off seasons when they have acquired starting pitchers and signed them, it's been that veteran guy. It's been the uh, the Brett Andersons, the Wade Miley's, like those kind of guys are the are the starting pitchers that they end up going and acquiring. Christian Yelich since moving to the leadoff spot, Ashton. Mm-hmm. He is hitting 313. He has a 414 on base. He has an 858 OPS. He's hit a few home runs. Uh, his slugging is uh, is not bad. Like perfect world. He's hitting third, maybe fourth, probably third. He's giving you 30 home runs. He's giving you 110 mm-hmm. RBIs. Like he's he's a big time run producer. He's not that right now. Maybe he'll be that again. Maybe he won't. But. They found a home for him at the top of the uh, lineup, and it seems to be working. Yeah, and I love it. I, I love that the council decided to say, hey, we don't have our normal leadoff hitter. Let's try something. What's what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is it doesn't work out, and when the leadoff hitter comes back, we slide him back in, and we have to figure out something with Yelich. I think it's great that it works. To me, my hope anytime a guy gets moved in the lineup is you clear his headspace, and to me, it's almost it's more simplified. It's Christian. You're going to get the first at bat every single game for us. You do whatever you need to do to get, put us in a good spot. If that's you're just seeing pitches, if that means you swing at the first pitch because you think you can get on base right away, go for it. I think it, it's almost a simplified aspect of just we want you to go do your thing. There's no there's no pressure for you, at least in the start of the game. Of course, that, that changes, but then you're getting you know you're going to see a better pitcher. You already kind of know what to expect. I think it's a leadoff hitter later as the game goes on. And the other thing is they've pretty consistently had Adamus there in the two spot. It, it creates good protection for. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Yelich as well. Of, of everybody on the team, I would rather have Adamus behind Yelich. And if you're if you're batting Yelich third and you want to do that, then you've got Adamus in the four spot. And right. Adamus, you know, I don't think that 
I don't like him in the four spot. I like him either as the two or the three hitter. So if you've got Yelich mm-hmm. as the three, or so it just it works for a lot of reasons. At least for now, it does. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And the other thing was uh, Willie needing to come back from injury and start to hit the ball again harder, which he's done over the past two weeks. I'd say maybe narrow it down more to the last week. He's hit the ball uh, hard, and also he's hitting it out of the park, which is again all you can ask for from him at that point. And if if there's guys on base, fantastic. The, the, the metrics on him have been odd when we talk about yell, it's just in the sense that he still hits the ball so hard, but he puts it into the ground a lot. And I'll tell you what, Ashton, you've heard the post game show. Like there's so mm-hmm. many people out there that don't want to hear about launch angle. And I remember one of our very uh, frequent uh, texters recently said, these guys are talking, like thinking too much about launch angle when they're at their play. <laughs> like that's not the case. Like the, right. it's, you know, where, where launch angle plays in is when you're in the cage and when you're working on putting together your swing, that's just one of the, one of the many things that goes into like mm-hmm. building your swing. Uh, but it has been odd to just watch Yelich have those metrics where he hits the ball so hard. He's just hitting it at guys or hitting it on the ground. And, you know, the funny thing about that is, like, at the same time, when it comes to the launch angle thing, I'm glad you brought that up because I think what people don't realize is when it comes to hitting styles, hey, you're not really changing much in the middle of a game or in the middle of a season that it's not like there's no, I'm trying to snap, but you can't hear. It's not like a snap. It's, it's a, you have to recreate the muscle memory that goes into a stance or hitting or where you're throwing your hands at pitches or what you should be expecting from different pitches. We're getting the scouting reports on you. The biggest thing over the past three years has been more breaking balls to Christian Yelich. It's just been, Hey, throw him a breaking ball. He's going to swing and miss. That's probably what's going to happen. And I think it's the, the adjustment that pitchers have to make. And then it's the adjustment that the hitters have to make back. It doesn't really matter if you're swinging for the fences or if you're swinging for line drives, you still have to make contact with the pitch. Yeah. Nobody has ever like hit a foul ball. And thought to myself, well, I got to lift my launch angle. Right. It's like, it doesn't matter. I got to play. Who cares? Yeah. Nobody's ever, uh, nobody's ever thought about that. All right. Before we let you go, can I, and we can edit this later so you can say no. Can I share, can you share your little bit of news that you shared with me this past week? And what's, uh, I can, is it like, have you guys talked about it on the morning show at all? We have, we have briefly talked about it vaguely because, uh, what I need to work on better. And we will explain here in the next 30 seconds is that uh, I need to sell myself better. Uh, maybe that may sound worse than I mean it, but, uh, my, my mom and I are opening up a food truck. Uh, You have heard me talk about this because you so lovely get allow me to talk about it in the past. And I've talked about it as the Rot Tots fundraiser for raising money for pancreatic cancer research. My dad passed away five, almost five years ago now. From pancreatic cancer, which has a ten, uh, it's a less than ten percent uh, five-year survival rate once you're diagnosed. It's one of the worst. Uh, no, no cancer is is better than the other, but there's ones that are more treatable. Let's, let's put it that way. And pancreatic cancer is very hard to treat and catch early on. So that's one of the things that we try to do is to raise money for early detection, more research, and just helping out families. It's one of the things that my family uh, has decided to kind of help out with because of my dad. Uh, it turned it was started as a dream that my dad and I had with my brother. We were going to open up a restaurant way before he got sick. He got sick, back burner. So we turned into a fundraiser. And then um, this year, my mom and I said, let's just do it. Let's let's make it a real restaurant. Uh, it's called Rots Hot is what it's going to be called. It's going to be a food truck based in Lake County, Illinois, which is where I'm from, as well as all the way up to uh, Milwaukee County and the kind of surrounding counties, because I still live here and I love it up here. And I would love to share it with people up here. Um, so that uh, is coming in August. It's called Rots Hot. So you can follow me on any social media and that's where you'll find any information about it. We'll have dates and all that stuff. Um, but uh, I am very excited to bring that. And another cool thing that not, I haven't had a chance to talk about is 
uh, 100% of tips will go towards pancreatic cancer research. Oh, okay. Uh, which, awesome. is, which is a cool thing that we're able to do, which is just another way to keep giving back, which I think is pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for, for a food truck. It's one of the things I've wanted to do all my life because I love, I love cooking. I love being in the kitchen. So this is kind of a, a fun way to just keep giving back and keep having fun and sharing my joy with others. Got to find a way to get that thing parked out uh, towards American Family Field on oh, Spurs game nights, towards Pfizer Forum on Bucks game nights. Oh, there we got a lot of ideas in the works. The fun part is is figuring out uh, where it's going to go. I think the, uh, the even more fun part will be being able to interact with people every time they come to the window and order some food. As progressive as there are a lot of aspects of Milwaukee are, I, I've been here seven years and I love it. Um, well, I came from Colorado. Mm-hmm. The food truck scene in Colorado, with all due respect to all participants in the food <laughs> truck scene in Milwaukee, it was like we thought we were a little surprised. Like it, it hasn't taken off quite as much. There's a you know, I live close to uh, the corners of Brookfield, and they do a yep, they, uh, do one. They, they do a food truck day. There's this Mexican restaurant food truck that hangs out and the uh in the menards parking lot yep. in uh waukesha just like a caddy corner from the target it's like pineapple pineapple pina pina mexican eats i've had it it's delicious oh it's, it's awesome like a, a big it's yellow truck yeah it's fantastic it's so good like i love food trucks That's and there should be uh there should be more so i'm glad that you're going to have that uh moving forward we're both fans of the office and oh, anytime yes, right. i ask you about it I always call it Rot's Tots, not Rot's Tots, because of the Scott's Tots episode. It's funny you say that. I, I've had many different restaurant business ideas over the years, and one of them was I wanted I wanted a food truck that was just gourmet tater tot dishes. It was going to be called Rot's Tots. Okay. Uh, we are essentially going to have a little sneak peek in the menu, because uh, we're finalizing it, and this is one of the things we finalize, is that any sandwich item that we have, if you want to uh, basically tot it up, you can get it chopped up and instead of on a, on a bun or a piece of bread or whatever, you can get it on a bed of tots. So it almost turns into like borderline poutine. Essentially, but, you know, more specific to whatever the menu item is, it just kind of gets weird. And I mean, who doesn't love tater tots? Uh, they're delicious. <laughs> I've I have participated in one food eating challenge in my life. <laughs> Uh, and we say this on 4th of July, the same day as the, uh, the Nathan's. Nathan's hot dog eating contest where Joey Chestnut won once again. Uh, but uh, in when I again, when I was living in Colorado, so they have a hockey team that I think I've told you this story. I do. I know this one, but I love hearing it. There was a uh, there's a college hockey team there, Colorado College and the arena that they played at the world arena. They were unveiling all this new food. And they wanted to get media attention on it. So what they did is they did a uh, poutine was one of the items that they were adding. And they did a poutine challenge where various local media folks like myself were brought out and we competed against each other. And I won the poutine challenge. I ate more than anybody else's. I'm so proud of you because one, I love poutine and poutine's great. And two, poutine's a hefty dish, man. I mean, that's... Oof, that'll have you feeling good in the moment and bad every second afterwards. So I've told this part of it. I'm a big dude. I'm a big guy. <laughs> Me too. I five. <laughs> I'm working on my workout streak is still alive. I've worked yeah. out. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I have not missed a workout in look, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. I don't know where it is. Where, are we at the 800 day mark? We got uh, past that by now. Close. I think we're close. Um, oh, that's not that one. 
Just looking around. Okay, it's. I think it's like high seven hundreds. Okay. Yeah, I knew we were getting close to eight hundred. Yeah, we're past the two year mark. I know that okay. for sure. I've uh, I've not missed working out any of those days. Uh, oh, there it is. It is uh, seven hundred sixty days. Nice. All right. Perfect. So I I am a big guy who continues to try to fight that battle on a, on an everyday basis. <laughs> uh, I was a big guy then not fighting it as hard as I'm fighting it now. And I was, um, I was very conscientious about how much I won by. (laughs) I I knew I was going to win. I knew I I went in and I looked at my competition. I got this. I like, there was no doubt that I was going to win this, but as the, as the largest person among (laughs) the people, I did not want to win by so much sure. that it brought attention to not just me winning, but me winning by as much as I did. So sure. I, I very carefully, as I went along, figured out who the second place person was going to be and uh, watched them very carefully. And I slowed down to let them catch up a little bit. Right. Cause you're, cause you're a gentleman and you, you have sportsmanship. It reminds me, you know, of, now, if you're a NASCAR driver and you don't want to win by too many car lengths, of course, you don't get extra points for winning by extra seconds. Like, you know, I can take my foot off the gas and make it a little bit interesting at the end. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> All right, Ashton, good stuff as always. Encourage people to uh, hear you along with Jen, Gabe, and Chewy uh, weekday mornings, uh, 94.5 ESPN. Follow you on Twitter and all other social media. Find out about uh, Rots, Hots, not Rots, Tots, but you can get Tots in there. Uh, Ashton, always enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely, buddy. Always love talking ball. Ashton Rotman joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that is uh, just about going to do it for this edition of the program for the Brewers uh, this week. Again, we're releasing a day later than normal because of uh, the holiday weekend, so coming out Monday night into uh, Tuesday morning. Hopefully that did not mess with your podcast listening schedule too terribly much. We'll be back to our uh, normal schedule coming up uh, next week and certainly encourage you to listen uh, next week. Uh, But anyways, uh, what's coming up uh, this week, two more games against the Cubs, a night game on Tuesday, a day game on Wednesday, an off day on Thursday, and then a three-game weekend series coming up against the Pirates on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before another off day a week from from Monday, Monday the 11th. And then that goes into the final week uh, before the All-Star break, which is um, which is something to be sure, they uh, yeah they are going to they're going to get things rolling there uh, for the All-Star break, and then they'll be back, and it's kind of not really quite the home stretch. You feel like you have to get into August before it's really the home stretch of the season, the dog days of summer. You generally think of the dog days of summer being the days uh, after the trade deadline, but before the postseason gets started. But this, it's amazing. Every year, 162 games, six months, when the season gets started, it always feels like it is a long time coming. But then once you actually get into it, man, it moves really, really quick. All right, I appreciate uh, Ashton Rotman for being our featured guest this week. Thanks to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you all week long during uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the postgame show on WTMJ and on this podcast feed as well. And uh, we'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.